Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Vineyard Northwest. My name is Amanda, and I serve here in House Group. And House Group is a ministry of Vineyard Northwest, and it's just kind of an opportunity that we get to see each other outside of Sunday mornings. So there are probably like seven or eight house groups that meet on different days and different times throughout different locations in Cincinnati. So if you haven't been to a house group yet, I'd love to welcome you to come check one out. There are address cards out in the Welcome Center in the atrium, so you can check out a day and time that would work for you. But these are totally open to anyone. It's not like a tight-knit group where you walk in feeling like you don't know someone or you don't like fit in there. It's de- definitely like an open thing. Like Just like you would walk into church here, totally welcome to come to a house group. So if it is your first time here, we're really thankful that you came to spend part of your Sunday with us. Um, We'd love if you could stop by the Welcome Center as well on your way out and pick up a welcome pack. It has just a little gift vineyard worship CD to thank you for coming to hang out with us today. And in the seat pocket in front of you, there is a connect card. If you could fill that out and leave it at the Welcome Center or an offering as we receive that later, that would just let us get to know a little bit more about you and how we can serve you better here. So later on in the service, we will be receiving our offering, and there are envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you that you can use for that. Checks can be made out to Vineyard Church Northwest, and there are also giving options available through our website or through our mobile app. So there are a few things that are coming up that I would like to highlight to you. And first is next weekend is the start of Daylight Savings, so that means that we will spring forward. So next... Yeah, daylight savings. So next Saturday, before you go to bed, you'll set your clock forward an hour, spring forward. So second is um, our divorce care ministry is starting up, and that will be on Tuesdays starting March 13th, and it will run for 13 weeks. So if you remember, if you were here last weekend, Jen Utech was up here sharing a little bit more about the ministry, and her and Mike, her husband, will be leading that course. And so if anyone has gone through the pain of separation or divorce, we really would like to invite you to come check that out. We totally love marriage around Vineyard Northwest. We're for it. We want to fight for it. But we also know that we live in a broken world and that divorce and separation do happen. Um, But we really want to press into what God has for you next and know that he wants to bring healing to you and continue for you to get to... um, just live on past that. So please join us for that. If you um, would like to, you can register and that would just help us know who all is coming, but registration isn't necessary. So you can also invite people to just show up to the divorce care as well. So third is an event called Time Out for Moms. So this is going to be happening on Saturday, March 17th from 9.30 to 11.30. So if you're a mom of younger kids in here, this is something for you. This will be some time to hang out with other moms that have young kids and just have some time to relax. There'll be childcare, so you won't have to have your kids with you. Um, and that'll just be for a small fee. But at this course, or at this class, there'll be two child educators there, and they will be talking a little bit about toddlerhood and transitioning into like childhood and I don't know my baby's not there yet so I don't know what all that looks like but it'll be awesome they'll give you some really good tips and tricks on how to do that well but on the other hand they'll also just share about what it looks like to incorporate Jesus into your life with this new thing of having kids and being a mom and totally like having all of your attention focused on them as well so that'll be an awesome event that's March 17th at 9 30 and that's here So if you noticed when you're coming in this morning in this hallway right out here in like our prophetic art hallway, there's sometimes displays or new pieces of art out there. And Bill Bias 
created a, um, a piece of art called The Life of Christ in wood carvings. So we would love for everyone on your way out to just kind of like take a stroll by that and look at each of his pieces. They're really beautiful and really intricate, but it kind of just helps us like think about Easter and as we're preparing for Easter Sunday in a couple weeks um, to just look over those, um, that beautiful piece of artwork. So please do that on your way out. If you want to know more things that are going on around here, check out the program that you received as you walked in, or there is a program also on our mobile app as well. So now I'm going to invite up Van. He is our senior pastor here, and he's going to share one more thing with us. Uh, Thank you. My name is Van. As Amanda said, I'm the senior leader here. And I want to ask you all to pray with me for a staff member here at the church, Dan Smoker. uh, His wife's name is Lil. And uh, Dan and Lil have been part of the church since the very beginning. Dan is uh, our building supervisor. And uh, Lil, you may have seen Lil back at the doors passing out programs different weeks. Just a wonderful, beautiful couple. Dan is a wonderful, godly man. Not only highly skilled as a carpenter, but also just wonderful to work with around the church building here. Well, yesterday he was hiking at a place called Castle Rock in Colorado with his uh, grandson, Eli. And uh, Dan, yeah, yeah, there's a selfie they took at the top of the top of the hill, top of the mountain. So apparently on the way down, Dan fell and he took a 20 foot fall onto rock and... Um, had uh, numerous injuries, a broken femur, broken pelvis, a lacerated bladder, um, nine broken ribs, uh, and it broke his neck as well. And um, they got him to the hospital there. Um, I, I understand there's also some bleeding on his brain. The doctors were amazed that he survived. Now, let me back up a step and say, that when this happened, his grandson, Eli, handled himself in a stellar way. Uh, just kept his composure, kept his mind, did all the right things to, to help his grandfather. So a big shout out to Eli there. But um, at the hospital, the doctors were, they just said they're amazed that, that he's still alive. They, they did do surgery last night. And uh, to stabilize some things and stop internal bleeding, they'll be doing more surgeries to uh, you know to repair his neck and and other take care of the other injuries. But um, I want to read to you one of the texts that we got. All right, oh, here we go. All right, I'm going to find this. I'm sorry, I had it all queued up and. here's where I wanted to start. It says he does have a broken neck and the doctor said they can't understand why he survived his fall with this broken neck and that he's not paralyzed, okay? No paralysis. Yeah, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. And then the text goes on to say, we know why because uh, the people that happened to be around when he fell were spirit-filled Christians. And there were some uh, people there even from the local vineyard. And they prayed for him. And they prayed him, it says, they prayed him back to life as his eyes rolled back into his head. He wasn't breathing. They told him, 
um, that God was not finished with him yet. And in the name of Jesus, they told him to start breathing again. And at that point, he started breathing again. And um, yeah, so that's exciting. Uh, he'll be going through a lot of surgery, as you can well imagine. Uh, there's, there's concerns still, obviously, uh, with something as serious as a broken neck. And, uh, and with, I don't know how much ble- uh, bleeding is in the brain, but those are serious things. And um, we just want to pray for him, okay? Just a wonderful couple, wonderful brother in the Lord here at the church and a big part of the church body and the church staff here. So if you would, if you'd stand with me, please. Uh, This text goes on to say that the people that were there when it happened were so impacted by the presence of God at the site of the fall that they came, actually came to the hospital to tell Lil all about it. And she said it's quite a story, so we'll get to hear that story one day. Let's pray right now for Dan and Lil and Eli and their family. Uh, Father God, we're, we're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful that you love us. We're thankful that you care for us. And Father, we realize we're in a broken world. We know that accidents happen here. We don't lay those at your feet. But, we, but even when things happen that are bad, you're still good. And Father, we're thankful as we come to you now that there's so much to rejoice about in this, that, uh, that Eli was able to keep, keep his uh, thoughts together and act as he did, step, step out as he did, that uh, there were people there to come and to pray for Dan immediately and to bring the presence and power of the Holy Spirit right bare, right into that situation. We're so thankful for that. We're thankful that in spite of the broken neck, there's no paralysis. Thank you for that, Father. And we just pray for your presence and blessing and healing. So right now, um, this is West, okay? Just take your right hand and extend it that direction. And uh, we, just, we pray in Jesus' name for healing for Dan. We speak to the neck, and we say healing, no, no damage, no residual damage to the brain. We say stop bleeding, be whole, be healthy. To the broken bones, heal quickly, knit back together right, in the right way. And we just say to Dan's body, come under the authority of Jesus, the creative authority of Jesus, the kingdom authority of Jesus, and be whole and healed. Help Eli as he deals with this. God, just give him continued strength and and Lil and the whole family, your comfort and your peace and your strength. We ask for them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, have a seat. Well, as you know, if you've been, if you've been here the last few weeks, uh, if you haven't, uh, we've been in a series called Undaunted. And uh, we happen to have a young woman in our church, Mary Weinberg, who has been undaunted. She won a gold medal in the 2008 Olympics. Uh, Mary has recently written uh, her biography, her life story, and she titled it Unwavering Perseverance. And so uh, with that title, with that story, we thought this was a great time to have Mary share her story with us. And so uh, what, what we're going to do is watch a short video of the actual race where Mary and her team won the gold, and then Mary and her husband, Chris Weinberg, and uh, Wilson are going to come up, and Wilson's going to interview them so we can hear her story. Let's watch the video. What do I do? 
stop, go, fail, succeed, live, or die. Just gotta believe. Believe it's worth saving. And to get lost, lost in a daydream. So why hesitate? Take me to another place, so far, far away. So I can get out of the dark, high speed, like I'm racing. It's like lightning, the sky is blazing. But you've lost your way, you've been led astray. Are there better days? She is handed off to Allison Phoenix, just about even in first. What you shot right on your way to the limelight. Finish line. The sweat and tears. You can channel all of this. Open your eyes. Your eyes. Yeah, you guys want to stand with me and just welcome Mary. Thank you. Wow, so what a privilege it is to have an Olympic gold medalist serving in kids' church at your church. <laughs> well, Mary and Chris, so glad to have you guys with us today. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be up here to be able to share our story. So thank you. Yeah, this church has been a blessing to us, and uh, so we're very happy to share our story with you guys. So if you don't know, Mary and Chris have been coming here for about five years, and we just couldn't think of a better way to cap this sermon series, Undaunted, than to have somebody who's really lived out an undaunted life. Um, You're in for a treat to hear her story and Chris's story. And before we dive into the Olympics and the whole journey there, just catch us up. Where are you guys at in life right now? How did you guys meet? I'll leave that story for Chris to tell. 
because according to him, I don't tell the accurate story. So I don't know if he'll get into details. But um, so currently, I competed as a professional track and field athlete for about 10 years. And I retired from the sport in 2013 and decided uh, God had given me the passion of being an educator and working with children. So I went back to school and I got my master's. And I teach second grade. And I teach at Hyde Park Elementary School. Uh, when I have some downtime, which isn't much because I have two kids, but I love to volunteer, serve as a mentor, and I am a really big, huge advocate for girls on the run. So, Yeah, and um, you know, Mary and I, we met when we were both uh, students on the University of Cincinnati track and field team. I won't go into the whole story. Um, it's, it's quite humorous, but um, anyway, we, uh, you know, we started dating in college, and um, you know, we've been married for 11 years now. We have two beautiful young, little girls, uh, Brooklyn and Olivia, and we've been coming to the church here for about five years or so. Awesome. So, you wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about your book. And by the way, her book is available in the atrium to purchase. So you definitely want to stop by there and grab one. But tell us, what prompted you to write a book? So after arriving home from the Olympics in 2008, uh, I was asked to do a lot of speaking engagements and different things um, of that nature of sharing my story. So, you know, I said, okay, I'll share my story. And I really didn't want to make a huge big deal about, you know, my accomplishments and what I've done. And until one of my friends, she told me, she said, you know what, as your friend, I'm telling you, you have an awesome story. And I'm thinking, okay. You're just telling me that because you're my friend. But uh, in actuality, she sat me down and she said, you know what? Have you ever thought of writing your story down, making it into a book so that you can not only just verbally share it with others, but allow others to be able to read it? People that may resonate with your story and they may need it for inspiration. So I decided to write the book and um, I had some other things occur in my life also which I'm not going to give too many details about because you'll have to read the story. But um, it allowed me to want to find some peace and just find some different things that I had, I had been questioning. Um, I was adopted when I was, a, when I was 12 years old, and I had some issues of going through wondering about my birth mom and where she was and just different things like that and going through life having self-doubts and not believing in myself. So I decided to write an inspirational and a motivational book on that. Amazing. So, and Chris, you told me, right, that the first draft, you had to kind of tell her, tell, tell me about just when she yeah, very first um, started writing it. I mean, when she started writing it, she just had all these ideas, things she wanted to convey. Um, but even as her, her husband and living through it, I'm like, man, I can't follow this. Like, we, you know, you, we got to put this into order that, you know, somebody can actually go through it and understand your story because it's an unbelievable story. And so, you know, let's make sure that, that when somebody reads it, they can really receive it. Awesome. So something you left out, Chris, is you're a track coach at UC, right? Yeah, I'm a um, track and field coach at the University of Cincinnati. Um, it was never really my intention to become a track coach, um, but it's, it's funny, you know, the, the plans that God has in store for you. And so um, I graduated from the University of Cincinnati in 2004 and was a part-time coach for a couple years and have been full-time since the 2006 season. Cool. So I'm just sitting here kind of wondering, who's faster between you guys. <laughs> I think we can line up right now and uh, settle that if, uh, if she won't tell the truth. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm, I'm not the faster one. Chris is the faster one. I will tell the truth on that. <laughs> All right. So, but with that understanding of how track works, you know, most of us have no idea 
what all goes into it. Tell us, what is it like to train for Olympics? And even more so, what's Mary's path to the Olympics been like? Is it a typical kind of story? Yeah, I mean, really, if you look at it, um, you know, you're like, okay, Mary won an Olympic gold medal. That's fantastic. Is her story typical? Is her path to the Olympic Games in line with what you know most Olympic athletes' path is? And, and really, the answer is no, not at all. If you just look at the other three girls that she ran with on that 4x4, um, when you watch the video, it was Allison Felix, Sonia Richards, and Monique Henderson. Um, Allison Felix made an Olympic team when she was in high school. She went pro right out of high school, never went to college to run track. Um, Sonia Richards, she was the high school um, national champion in two events. She went to the University of Texas for one year and then turned pro. And then Monique Henderson, um, the other leg, she actually set the high school national record in the 400 meters. And and then you have Mary. And she was... um, decent in high school. She made this, I mean, seriously, she made the state meet, but she never made the state meet final. And, um, you know, as a track and field coach at UC now, um, I think it's really interesting to note that our walk-on standard just to join our team is faster than what Mary actually ran in high school. Wow. So that kind of leaves you wondering, like, it's not nature. Um, is it nurture or what was the, how did Mary make it? You know, there's, there is the whole, you know, nature versus nurture debate. And, you know, we talked about what it looks like she doesn't have the talent. And so then, you, you know, you explore her story and to achieve at this level, you think, well, she must have had, you know, the most unbelievable upbringing ever. You know, she must have had the most supportive parents who could afford the best trainers, the best coaches. But when you look at it, you know, she was, she was adopted. She struggled with wondering, you know, why, you know, where is my birth mom? Why is she not part of my life? Um, She went to Cincinnati Public Schools and, you know, really didn't, you know, have what you would think um, would be required to overcome, you know, perhaps the lack of talent. So it's like if it's not nature, if it's not nurture, then it's got to be God. So, Mary, is anything you want to add to that about your journey to really committing to racing? Yeah, I know for me, um, when I said that I wanted to train after college, it kind of, I had a little bubble and this bubble went off and it said, oh, I think I want to train for the Olympics. And so then I'm like, oh, I'm going to pop that bubble because it's never going to happen. I'm not good enough. And I, and I struggled with believing that I was good enough for years. So many coaches would tell me, you're good. You have this, you can run the 400. But again, it went through one ear and out the other. And I just thought, oh, I'm okay. I'm average. So for me, um, Moving to train post-collegiately, moving to the Olympic Training Center in 2003, I made a sacrifice. I picked everything up and I said, you know what, I'm going to try this goal. I'm going to try it. I don't know if I'm going to succeed, but it was something that I was interested in and I wanted to give my all. So you were chosen. Somebody scouted you and said, hey, we believe in your talent. And you actually moved to San Diego for how long? I moved for a year. Um, there was a coach. Uh, he used to coach at Stanford. And then he ended up becoming one of the relay coaches for the USA team. And they wanted to start a project called the Relay Project. And so he gave me, he extended out the invitation. And I'm thinking, 
Okay, I'm going to move all the way to California. I know no one. I'm going to leave my family, my friends. And it was really a, a nerve-wracking, I guess, experience because I didn't know what would happen. But I had to sit back and I prayed. I prayed a lot about it because I just didn't know what God wanted me to do. Did he want me to stay here and pursue my... Um, I had graduated with a health promotions degree. Did he want me to work in that field or did he want me to go? And so... I packed up my things and I went and uh, the rest is kind of history, but I'll go into it a little bit more later. <laughs> so that's 2003. Did you try out for the Olympics in 2004? What was the, what's the story there? We know you won in 2008, but <laughs> yeah. So after moving to the training center, you know, you devote all your time to training. That's the purpose of the training center. And I was very thankful for the opportunity, you know, because I didn't really understand what it took to become an Olympian. I thought you could just say it and it would happen kind of like with the snap of your finger. And, um, again, That's what I thought too, you know, <laughs> I'm going to Olympics. So, you know, I get there and I train, I, I give my all and it comes to the Olympic trials in 2004. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. It's my first time I'm on the stage with all of these big name runners. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm in like, I'm awe, in awe of everyone. So I figured, oh, I'll just go out there. I'll run the race that I need to run. And yeah, I'll make the team. Well, it didn't happen like that. Instead, it was a very devastating experience for me in which I actually wanted to give up running. Uh, I ran in the 400. I didn't make the final. I actually just ran horrible. It was like the worst race ever. And in the end, I remember saying to my coach, what happened? You know, I, I, I sacrificed, I moved to this new state to train and give my all, and I wasn't quite sure why I didn't succeed. So really disappointing time. Yes, very disappointing time. Um, Chris, just fill us in, kind of speak to what is it like, how do you actually qualify for Olympics? What was Mary really going through yeah. this, that time? Um, you know, so in 2004, when she had this, this hope, this dream, this ambition to make the Olympic team, um, the way it works is that first you must hit a qualifying standard. And if you hit that time, and then you have the ability to compete at the Olympic trials. And so she hit the time, you know, she went to the Olympic trials, and at the Olympic trials, you have to advance past the prelim, you have to get through the semifinal, into the final, and then so they run eight individuals in that final, and the top three finishers on that day are the three that make the Olympic team and represent the United States in the 400 meters. And then they take the, um, the top six individuals, and they um, can go to the Olympics as part of the relay pool to run on the 4 by 4 relay. Gotcha. So 2004 is disappointment. Tell us what led you to continuing how did you you know refocus you know that's it was a really hard time because i know when i got back home i had all of my friends and all of my family like everyone typically does they ask you well what happened <laughs> and i can remember i cried for a long time. I, I would even say probably months because it's this dream and you put your all into it and it's something that you want to accomplish. And then at the end of the day, it doesn't happen. And you know that you have four more years than that you have to dedicate to your, you know, new goal. So I came back home and I tried to revamp and I said, you know what? Something else has to occur. Um, I wanted to blame, okay, what if I didn't train hard enough? Or, oh, what if I didn't do this? But then I just had to realize at the end of the day, it must not have been 
my fate. God wasn't ready for me to have that journey yet. And I just had to be patient. I had to be patient and know that I couldn't give up. Um, I wanted to still keep going. And I said, and I told myself, I am not giving up. I'm going to keep trying and I'm just going to see what can happen next for me. Wow. So that's undaunted right there. Just let's just pause real quick. And how did you do that? How did you get to focus in and say, hey, it seems like all my circumstances are saying this isn't working out. How did you keep going? Honestly, the only thing I think I can say for that is God, because just after having conversations with him, when I did get back and just praying and asking for guidance, because I just, I didn't know where I wanted to go. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I knew that he had given me this talent to run. And I said, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Just please guide me. And so that was the next step with, with guidance was to just, he said, keep going, Mary. Well. And so, Chris, what role were you playing at this time in Mary's development? Um, You know, we were dating when Mary was at the Olympic Training Center, and then she came back home, um, and in 2005, trained, you know, post-collegiately, came up short once again, and um, I had actually graduated in 2004, and I was competing post-collegiately as well, and, um, you know, then Mary comes up, uh, it's kind of the middle of the 2006 season, and she comes up with this this brilliant plan. I, I still remember it. She's like... All right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to devote myself full-time to running track, and you're going to be my training partner. And, you know, at first it was like, you know, well, that's interesting. That's a big ask. Um, that's a really big ask. And, and, you, know, and I, you know, I'm struggling with it a little bit. Like, is that, you know, the right thing to do? Um, you know, does that mean I need to give up my dreams? Um, you know, but when, when I really started to assess it and think about, you know, the ability that I thought she had, um, it did seem, I guess maybe I was a little naive because it seemed like the right thing to do, despite the fact that, honestly, she wasn't that good in high school. In college, she, you know, she had a good career, but she never made it to the NCAAs. She was, you know, she was never really a superstar. And then she trained 2003 post-collegiately, came up short. 2004 came up short. 2005 came up short and here she is 2006 I'm gonna quit my job and and it's all gonna work out um but we we went with it and the rest is history that's amazing I just want to pause and say that's so cool Chris that you championed your wife and that you affirmed her and saw what God was doing so um no I mean thank you it was um I think it was a little bit of a struggle at first, um, and then I would show up to practice, you know, it's like, ah, I don't need to warm up that much, I just have to stay in front of a girl, um, but, but then it started getting really hard, and I started showing up, um, you know, early to practice, you know, do some extra stretching, maybe take an ice bath afterward, it's like, I gotta be ready to go now, because her time, you know, her, her results really started taking off. And when I came up with that idea, honestly, I really don't know where it how it came to to my mind but I know I had prayed and I said okay I need another step I need to figure out how can I get on the same playing field and level as my competitors my competitors all were training full time they could devote everything to training and not really worry I was a, a, a teacher and at the time I was working from 7 to 3 then rushing to UC to practice by 4 and then getting done around 7 and then coming home so it was a lot and I said you know what Maybe I should just quit quit my job, you know, put 
put all my eggs in my basket and see where they go. And it was definitely um, an amazing opportunity for me. And I'm so thankful that not only did Chris make that sacrifice for me, but in the end, it did end up working out for us both. Yeah. And, you know, it was, um, it was really a lot of fun. We got to bond together as we're out there training every day. And um, I guess one thing that, you know, really kind of resonates with me is that, you know, no personal accomplishment that I've, I've ever had has ever really been more, you know, rewarding than just being able to, you know, help her to, you know, accomplish her goal. That's so cool. And I just want to say, I'm learning from you, man. Like, that is the guys and husbands in the room. Like, we should take note that championing our wives is one of the most important things we can do. So, all right. So you explained before. So at this point, you've gone all in, you've quit your job. You're just focusing on training. But just to remind us, it doesn't even necessarily matter how you've done in the season. It's about the actual qualifying day race, right? It is. And as we get closer to the qualifications of the Olympic trials, it is. It's how you run on that day. You could be the best in the world. You could have the American record. But if on that day you don't run the race that you need to run, it's four more years that you have to wait. Or another year later for like the world championships. But typically for the Olympic Games, it would be four more years. So talk about pressure. (laughs) Right. That's pretty intense. Like it's all in this moment, do or die. How did you handle that? Like, that's something that I need to know, and I'm sure other people want to. How do we handle that pressure? You know, the pressure for me, um, it got better through the years. I will admit, in high school, uh, I was very afraid of the pressure. Um, I think the pressure affected me so bad that I wasn't able to run the race that I needed to run. Uh, I got to college, and I kind of put on a, a fake face in the fact that people thought that I was well put together for the races, but literally I can remember, um, the conference meet, I had a panic attack. I literally cried at the line and I was shaking. And I remember I was, I was at Louisville and I was not going to go to the start line. And my roommate at the time, she basically said, get it together, Mary, you've worked hard. You're going to go to that line. And so I had to just realize that, you know, even though there's pressure, you can, Uh, push forth through the pressure and you can get to your goals of where you need to be. Wow. You know, I actually just want to pause real quick and say, I I want you to pray for people in the room right now. I feel like there's probably several people here who are really battling that pressure and the pressure to succeed is maybe making you feel like you're going to crack. So I just want to say, let's take a risk. Be bold. Just stand up if that resonates for where you're at in life right now. And Mary is going to pray for you and just for strength and that if you're, if, you're, if you're dealing with a lot of pressure where you're at in life right now. Cool. Mary, do you just want to pray for these guys? Dear Heavenly Father, I just ask for all of the individuals in the room, for those who have uh, stood up and for those who may still be sitting, who are just dealing with just the demands of pressure and just being able to release and have that confidence and know that everything will be all right. I just ask that you give them strength, you give them guidance, and you give them comfort to get through each and every day. And I ask that you just continue to bless them because they are your children, dear Lord. And I just know that you will. You will be by their side through the thick and through the thin. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, you guys, for standing up. Way to be bold. All right. So how did you go... From like, was there a turning point? What was the breakthrough going from not making it to all of a sudden gold medalist? What what was the breakthrough moment for you? So my breakthrough moment was the year of 2007. Um, I had gone through 2003, 2004, 2005 with really no big push of seeing myself in a final. And so I can remember in 2007, I just had this confidence. I just said, you know what? 
I am just as good as these other athletes to my right, and I'm just as good as these other athletes to my left. And I recall prior to that, I would always go to the meet and I would look to see who's in the lane. I would read down their resumes and I would figure out their fastest times. And then I would end up psyching myself out and it wouldn't help me in the end. So for that race in 2007, I said, you know what? I can run the race, I can run my best, and I can beat these girls, and I just need to be confident and come to the line, and then just trust that Lord has, the Lord has my back, which he did, and in that particular race, I can remember they called out all of the uh, girls' names, the, the young ladies' names, and their resumes behind their names, and Chris will go into that in just a little bit, but when, it, when they got to my name, it was just, and we have Mary Weinberg in lane five. University of Cincinnati Bearcat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, um, you know, to, to set the stage of that race, so she makes the final in 2007, and she, so she's running for a spot to make the world championship team in 2007. And you look at all of the other seven ladies in the other seven lanes, and their credentials were unbelievable. I mean, at a minimum, they were NCAA champions, multiple-time state champions. I think there were four girls in the race that had already won Olympic medals. And so it's like, okay, you made it, but now, you know, look what you're up against. Wow, so kind of what I hear is the circumstances around you didn't look good. But somehow you were able to believe in yourself and focus how did, how did you do that? How are you able to believe in yourself amidst it being stacked against you? You know, I think just through the experiences that I had gone through through the years, and then, of course, with my book title, Unwavering Perseverance, I, I decided at that moment that I wasn't going to let anything bring me down, and I wanted to make sure that I came into the race fully prepared. I had been training for, what, four or five years now, of course, and I wanted to give my all. I wanted to go out there, and I wanted to make a team. And so in that particular race, how we say that it's the race on that day of how you do. I remember racing the American record holder. Her name is Sonia Richards, and she was supposed to win the race. Well, in this particular race, um, the last part of the home stretch coming home, I literally said, you know what? I see that I have something left in this tank, and I see that I can pass some people. And I ended up crossing the line and securing a spot in the Open 400 and passing her to make it in the 400 meters. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and so I think it was really that breakthrough um, really made 2008, you know, kind of a possibility, a reality. And so she was able to carry that momentum that she generated in 2007 into the 2008 Olympic season. Awesome. So that's 2007, that's the qualifying. What were the other races then leading up? Were you qualified for the Olympics at that point, or what else? Had, no, you have I was to go not. Through? So in that particular race, I qualified for the World Championships, and so I was able to make the team. It was in Osaka, Japan, and that gave me an experience before the Olympics to kind of see how things would be. And I was thankful. I actually won a gold medal in the four x four that year in 2007. And so I remember coming back home to Cincinnati and talking with my coach. His name was Jim Schnur, and we said, you know what? Mary, you did it in 2007. All we have to do is repeat and do the same thing you did and just carry that over to 2000 and 2008. No big deal. Just repeat all that. You know. <laughs> right. Um, but by that time, I will say the pressure did come down a little bit. I was, you know, when you feel confident, you feel a little bit better. But at the end, I said, you know what? I still have to keep training. I still have to stay to my strict diet. I still have to stay 
focused and determined. And, um, of course I continued to pray because I said, you know what, Lord, you're putting things in position for me right now. I just want to make sure that I'm continuing to do your will so that everything can happen for me or everything that you want to happen at that point. Wow. All right. So this is a great story. Chris, tell us about the actual qualifying race itself and and what happened there. And Mary chime in, obviously. Yeah. So at the Olympic trials, you know, Mary breezes through the prelims, breezes through the semifinals. So she's doing great. And then, um, you know, we're, we're at the, the final. And so here's where she needs to finish into the top three to make the Olympic team, everything she'd been training for. Um, top six would make the, um, you know, the, uh, the four by four team. And so it's her race strategy um, that she gets out of the blocks hard, and then she's supposed to relax on the back stretch, and then um, yeah, that way she has the energy to bring it home and, and finish strong. Um, but on this particular occasion, she gets out hard, and then she starts gunning it down the back stretch. And um, you know, which was she, a mistake, right? Well, it was a mistake. Yeah. So she flies into first place, and and I'm at the 200 meter mark, you know, sitting in the stands watching. And I'm like, I really hope she can hold on to this. Um, and, and then it was, it was like the nightmare that I feared was coming true because she was out in front, but then she started you know, tying up, locking up. The whole field started catching her. And um, you know, I'll, I'll let her tell kind of the, the finish of that. So prior to that race, the night before, I said to myself, I said, I'm going to give my all in this race. It is basically going to be a do or die situation. And I remember talking to the commentators. They usually come around and they will find you if you're positioned or supposed to place in the top three. And her... um, Carol Lewis. Yeah, Carol Lewis. I'm sorry. She asked me, she said, Mary, going into this race, how do you feel? And, you know, I was honest with her. I said, you know, I feel really good. I feel really confident. I, I feel like I know what I'm supposed to get out there and do. And I kind of went over my race strategy. But I will tell you all, I deviated from that plan. And I don't know what it was, but something inside me said, you're going to be a superwoman today. So I got into the blocks, and when that gun went off, I just shot out of the blocks, and I was running and running and running and running and not even thinking about the plan that my coach and Chris had gone over with me. I kind of threw that plan out the window and said, I'm just going to go after this. I'm trying to win. And so sure enough... Um, coming towards the home stretch, Sonia Richards, uh, we were kind of even at first and then she started to pass me and I'm like looking at her like, no, you're not going to win this. And it's like, I see my, my life flash before me because think I've worked so hard for this moment and I didn't want this moment to slip out of my hands. And I knew that the field, um, coming behind me, they were really close, actually really, really close. And the fact that I could have lost my position for making the team. So I hung on, I stretched my legs out a little bit wider, I stretched my arms out a little bit wider, and really my form looked horrible, if you know what a 400 meter runner's form is supposed to look like. But something inside me said, you know what Mary, you cannot give up. And I fell across that line, and I did secure my second place, and I held on by God's hands, God's wings carried me through there. Yeah, by God's grace. And, you know, I was watching um, from the backstretch from the 200 meter mark. And, you know, so I can see just every runner creeping up on her. And I wasn't worried about first place. I'm thinking just finish the race. You know, don't let the whole field pass you. 
And, um, you know, she literally held on by hundredths of a second, a few hundred slower, and she, you know, she wouldn't have made the team. And it's like, oh, hey, just come back four more years later and try it again. Um, and from where I was watching, you know, I, I saw her stride lengthen. It looked like she started to, like, crumble towards the ground. And then she, fall, <laughs> you know, she falls over. And I couldn't tell if she'd crossed the line or not. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's a good story, huh? And so... <laughs> You know, I didn't even know she crossed the line. And so I had to wait until they put it up on the board to even see that, hey, she did it. She made it. It was like an incredibly thin margin, right? Yeah, just hundreds yes. of a second. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what sticks out to me about that story when we talked before was how you had decided ahead of time that you weren't going to quit. And how did that, like, tell us how that played in that ahead of time you decided, I'm not quitting. Yeah, like I said, going into the race, and I had known from my uh, ups and downs, and throughout the years, I had so many different trials and tribulations, and I just told myself, I said, Mary, you are going to go into this race, and you are going to give your all. You're going to give your all that no matter what, you can be satisfied at the end to say that I gave 110%. So, yeah. Amazing. So, at this point, you've qualified for the Olympics, the Beijing 2008 Olympics, um, did you only go for the relay or were you attempting another race? Besides the one you won, were you qualifying for anything else? So um, with my second place finish, I qualified for the Olympics in the open 400 meters. And then I also was part of the relay pool for the 4 by 4 So I went to Beijing. I was excited. I said, oh my goodness, I just made this. My first Olympic team. And when I looked around and compared myself to a lot of my teammates, I was actually the oldest person. And they kind of call me the grandma of the team. And I'm like, I'm the grandma. Okay. (laughs) But it was nice to kind of just be around everyone and to just get to know others and just know that at the end of the day, I had the 400 and I also had the four by four once I got there. So how did it go with the 400? The 400, it was a good race. Um, Again, as Chris had mentioned to you before, you have to go through three rounds. So I made it through the first round. I started to feel my hamstring a little bit. It it had been bothering me, and so I kind of didn't want to make a big deal about it. So I continued on to the second round of the race. But in that second round, I was not able to make it or advance to the final. So I was a little devastated by that. But I had to tell myself, Mary, you're in Beijing. You're in China. You not only have another opportunity to try to win a medal, but you have an opportunity to work with your teammates to accomplish that. So I basically had to kind of be mad for about 10, 15 minutes or so and say, you know what? Let it go. Now let's get focused and get ready for the second part that God has blessed you to be able to race. Wow. So you really have never had just an easy road in this. (laughs) It has constantly been setbacks (laughs) and perseverance. Yes, it has been an interesting road. And um, like I, I give advice to a lot of individuals, and I always say that no matter what you're going through, no matter if you are trying to go for a new job or you're struggling with anything that may be going on in your life, it's just about never giving up and just depending on God and just asking him to guide you and to just make sure that he is pushing you towards the things that you need to push towards. So for me, yes, I had been through a lot, and I said I'm not going to let that Um, be my determining factor. I'm going to still continue to push forward. So tell us about the race that we just saw and and what it was like. And yeah, we want to hear. 
So the race, it was a very interesting race. Um, I had found out probably the night before that I was running the first leg. And so for the first leg, that is the person that starts the race off. And I know that the Team USA, they knew that I would be a very good person to start the race. They knew that I would give a good leg. They were confident that I wouldn't drop the baton. And for me, I can remember that 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 night in the stadium just thinking, so many people are watching me. This four by four depends on me and I have to really go out there and give my best. So I tried not to be nervous, but of course the nerves, some of the nerves were good and I didn't want to look into the other lanes because as Chris will mention in those lanes, they were the Olympic champion in the 400, the second place runner, second place person in the 400 and also the fourth place because the third place was uh, the anchor leg for the USA team. So I basically was racing in the 400 meter final, except for it was now in the relay. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's exactly what happened. The, um, the open 400 had finished up, I think three days before. And then, so when she walks out to the line, we know we're going to race Great Britain, Jamaica, Russia. But then when you see the you know, they're leadoff runners, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, there's the Olympic champion, they're leading off with her, there's the runner-up, there's the fourth place finisher, you know, that could be really overwhelming, and it's like, Mary, I hope you're ready. (laughs) And I was. I said, I'm ready, I'm not going to let anything psych me out, and so I just had to just get in the blocks and know that I was going to do it for my team also to help them. And the rest is history, right? The rest is history. So that must have been amazing just to kind of land us, tell us what was it like after you won the medal and what what were you guys experiencing? You know, it was a wonderful experience, not only to be able to bond with those four individuals, but um, as you saw from the video, when we were watching um, our last leg run and we saw that Russia was in front of us, I'm literally screaming at the top of my lungs to Sonia, and I'm telling her to go, 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 go. And once she crossed that line, it was just amazing for us to embrace. And we always would pray right after, um, just to thank God, because without him, none of us would have been able to be at those Olympic Games. So it was an awesome experience to be able to stand with those girls and then to be able to come back home to Cincinnati and share my story and show the medal. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to go home immediately after the Olympics. I kind of had to come off of my high of competing and winning this gold to then packing up my bags and knowing that I still had a season over in Europe to finish up. So Chris headed back to Cincinnati. He wanted to take my medal, but I said no. I wasn't ready to give it up yet. (laughs) So I needed that medal to serve as a little bit of inspiration for me. Um, I had to get on the plane the next day to go to Switzerland. So, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, when I was heading back home on the plane, um, you know, of course, that night when she won gold, it was just exhilarating. It was, you know, the best experience ever. Um, But then I was, I guess, um, not expecting the emotions, the feelings that I would have kind of heading back home. Um, It was really kind of disappointing. It was like, you know, we had this big goal, this dream that we were working toward every single day. And yeah, she accomplished it, but it was past. Are you getting a little emotional there? Yeah, just a little bit. And so I think it, um, <laughs> you, you might have goals and things you want to accomplish, but I think it just, you know, reminds me, you got to enjoy the journey, you know, live in the day and enjoy it. Yes. Enjoy the journey. Definitely. Awesome, man. Well, this has been great. A couple of things that I really pull from it, and then I'll just hand it over to you. Mary wants to kind of say a couple of things to you guys. Um, keeping your eyes on the big picture, knowing that this is what you're, and letting that be your focal point, not letting your circumstances 
dictate what you were going to think about yourself, psyching you out. And um, then the last thing you said, Chris, just enjoying the journey. So I just want to say thank you so much for... Uh, thank you. Yeah, sharing with us today. And how cool is it? We hear so many... Every athlete you hear that wins anything always goes, all glory to God. But cool to hear the backstory, you know, and the authenticity of your faith. So bring us home. What do you want to say to everybody? Um, again, I just want to thank you all for welcoming me and allowing me to share the story. Uh, I was telling someone else previous, um, I don't tell people a lot that I'm an Olympic gold medalist. So if you've ever seen me here at church, I probably would have never told you unless you ask. But I am thankful to be able to share the story because I think a lot of people need to hear, they need to hear the words of just not only how good and how great God is, but just the things that we think that we don't have answers to, he does. And for me, with my journey, I, I did question at first and then I had to learn, you know what? I have to take my journey for what it is. I have to go through these things because that's what God wants me to go through. And I have to also know that he's always going to be by my side and he's never going to give me anything that I can't handle. So I'm thankful you know, to be able to be able to speak to you and I hope that you all accomplish your dreams no matter what they may be and accomplish your goals. So, I have a book giveaway to the person who can beat me around the track right here in church. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Line up. Was line gonna, up. Were there going to be some volunteers? Um, <laughs> Judah. Of course Judah would. Of course Judah would. <laughs> I actually am giving a book away based on um, Chris and I got married on August the 5th. So if there's anyone with a birthday or anniversary on that day. August 5th. Is that anybody's birthday? Yay! Come on. Come on, Megan. Judah, we can race later. (laughs) So just so you know, her books are for sale out in the atrium by the coffee um, you can head out and buy one whenever you'd like, but if you'd like her to sign it and you'd like to meet Mary, she'll be actually sitting at the table after worship. You can get a book and meet her, but I'm just going to pray for you guys really quick and then we'll move on to worship. So Lord, thank you so much for Mary and Chris. Just bless them. Thank you for Chris's sacrifice and love as a husband. Uh, I just pray that, yeah, we would all get more of that. And we just bless Mary. Pray that the perseverance she lived, that there just be a release and a deposit in all of us of that, t- that type of grit and that type of focus. Bless you guys in Jesus' name. Amen. awesome story. You have to get her book. Reading those early chapters about her early life will make you cry, but as you read through, you'll be cheering at the end. But right now, we're going to receive our offering, and so there are baskets on the far left side of each row. If you're the furthest left person, please grab one of those baskets, pass it down, and then the ushers will collect them on the way back. I am next week. I'm going to give a short. Uh, we call them family talks. I'm going to give a little talk on uh, where we are financially as a church, and we do that a couple times a year. And I just want to say that last year was the best year of giving we've ever had, exceeded my expectations, and um, and so we have a lot to celebrate. I'll share some of that with you next week. Now, during the uh, worship service, we're going to receive communion. So, if you're going to be a server, make your way back right now and get ready, please. 
A couple of months ago, I gave a message on communion where we focused on the bread, which represents the body of Christ, and I attached that uh, to physical healing and showed you how communion is a touch point with Jesus of, for physical healing. And just like the woman that reached out and touched his cloak and she was healed, uh, communion is a touch point. It's not magic. It's nothing like that, but it's a touch point for our faith, and we should come to it with expectation. Now, on Easter Sunday, I'm going to give a message about communion, and it's going to be all focused on the blood of Jesus and how, how that relates directly to each one of our lives, so we can look forward to that. But uh, I'm going to pray, and then the servers, while we're, let's all stand together. You're welcome to come and participate in this. If you know Jesus, then come. If you, if you don't know Jesus, but you want to receive him, just come and just say as you take this communion, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. But um, Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you are there to sustain us. Uh, we honor you now in worship through song. We honor you with our lives. And as we receive communion, we thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you gave your body for us so that we could know you, come into relationship with the triune God. Thank you. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. 